Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and here on this day after one of the best national holidays ever, drum roll, Father's Day, I just want to say that I'm so thankful again to have the privilege week after week of hosting a radio program where I get to honor fathers. Well, you know that my heart desires to let you dads know how vital, important, necessary, okay, I could go on, but how vital you are in the lives of your kids. And I focus more, as you know, on dads and daughters, but much of this applies to sons as well. Well, I like to set the groundwork in case some of you are listening for the first time that each week I use on your mark, get set, go as a template. On your mark is the topic. Get set is putting this The stage in motion, the running of the race, is taking shape with stories and stats, and go is always one action step, one practical thing that you dads can do this week to put your love for your daughters into action. Well, men often say to me, Michelle, okay, I got a question for you. How do I fix it? How do I fix this broken relationship with my daughter? And I say, okay. That's what this is about, is fixing, strengthening, growing your fathering skills, because I know that's what you want to do, or you wouldn't be listening today, right? Well, on your mark today, here's the title, 25 Things My Dad Taught Me That Have Carried Me 25 Years Without Him. Okay, does that intrigue you like it does me? Because joining me today is my friend, Brooke Perry, and I truly believe that her story about her father is going to touch your heart deeply and profoundly. Listen to that title again, 25 Things My Dad Taught Me That Have Carried Me 25 Years Without Him. Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit about her before I welcome her. So Brooke and I, we've been friends for probably three or four years now, and we connected through our writers group here in Portland, Oregon, where she used to live. She's now in Washington, D.C., and I'll never forget the time that Brooke and I had the privilege of going to the maximum security prison in Salem, Oregon, and being with a group of male inmates in this huge room, and that was the night that when I heard her story that I just fell in love with her heart, with her wisdom. And I invited her here today because I want you all to glean from this amazing young woman with depth beyond words. So Brooke is back in Portland for a short trip because she's graduating this weekend from Western Seminary where she will have her MDiv degree in a couple days. Woot woot. And she just took on an associate youth pastor position at National Community Church in Washington, D.C. So she's here to celebrate her 33rd birthday with her family and friends this weekend. And with that backdrop, I just say welcome, Brooke. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. Well, just to get started, Brooke, why don't you just set the stage for letting us and, and listeners know a little bit more about you? Yeah, definitely. So like you said, I'm turning 33 tomorrow. Um, I'm the oldest of two. I have one younger brother. Uh Uh, My mom and my dad are both from Southern Oregon, but I actually grew up in Washington State. Um, My mom and dad were issued to plant a church in Eastern Washington before I was born. So I was born and raised there in Cheney. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. (laughs) It's a small college town, Eastern Washington University, right outside of Spokane. Uh, My dad gave his entire life to that church, and so did my whole family, therefore, He was a pastor at that church every second that I knew him, but Mm. I was definitely a daddy's girl. I spent every moment that that I can remember with him. And most of my memories come from that time where we were either at the church or preparing for church um, or doing something fun together. But he just took me everywhere with him, and we were really incredibly connected and close. Oh, I love that. And you could all tell 
by how Brooke is talking is that we are talking past tense, aren't we? So yes. that leads into the story today. Yes. So keep going. Anything more to share I, about him? Yeah, when he was 37, actually, he got stomach cancer. So he was diagnosed in January of 1992. Um, it was very mm. shocking. He was incredibly fit and healthy. He didn't drink or smoke. Um, so it just really did come out of the blue. We've actually recently discovered some things um, based on my own health concerns, actually, that gave us a little bit more insight into what probably was the result of that, um, which was actually scar tissue buildup from acid reflux. So oh, something very random. hard to detect. Yeah. yeah. Very random. Um, we didn't know any of that at the time, though. It just kind of came out of the blue. Um, so he was having stomach pains for a while, and then they discovered that it was cancer. And actually, he had surgery where they thought they got everything. Um, we mm. had about a three- to four-month stint that we thought he was healed. We celebrated. We even had family in town, had a party. Um, and then a month or two later, he woke up with stomach pains again. And that mm. time when he went into surgery, they realized it had just spread too far. So mm. he actually passed away um, November of that same year in 1992. Wow. So from January to November. Um, so it was it was very, very jarring. But yeah. um, And you so were how old at I the time? I was eight years old. So a little tiny bumpkin yes. yes. who was a daddy's girl. I mean, I can't even imagine, Brooke, what that would be like. Because I'm a pastor, former pastor's daughter. Mm-hmm. And I remember it's kind of woven into an identity. And Definitely. right, people see us, you know, as through that lens of our dad. And then right. here you've immediately br- abruptly lost your identity in some ways by your connection with your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Jarring is the word that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. It was very abrupt. It was jarring. And I did. I'll be honest. I spent many years hurting and then healing and hurting and healing and trying to figure out kind of how to rebuild my life without a huge piece of it. Yeah. Um, But I was really blessed in recent years as I've gotten older and older by remembering him and looking at the things that I'm so thankful for. And I don't say that lightly. I, Mm -hmm. I have girlfriends myself who have you know, their fathers are still living and yet they do not have a very close relationship with him. And so I've just started to realize more and more over the years how thankful I am for his investment Mm -hmm. that he did make in just eight short years of my life Mm -hmm. that, like we've said, have carried me the rest of the way. Well, that is the best segue ever into (laughs) we have have got a lot that we're going to pack in, aren't we, today? Because 25 things, we are going to move fast. So men, get ready to run because we're going to keep you moving here because what Brooke has to share from her heart is going to totally touch yours. I know that. So as you and I were brainstorming, Brooke, about how to best share your story, I love that you had this brilliant idea to write out 25 things that you've learned from your dad that have stayed with you 25 years later without him. Yes. Which is pretty profound, right? Two and a it half really decades. Yeah. And these are the things that have stuck. So without further ado, let's get going. Drum roll number one. All right. Number one, um, get into your daughter's world, even if it's not quite a fit. I thought about this because we would we had a small little amusement type park in Spokane, Washington. And I just recently saw a photo of my dad scrunched up into this little tiny pl- airplane ride. And I didn't realize until I saw that picture that he did not do that just for the fun. He was definitely doing that just to spend time with me. And it just was very um, metaphorical, I guess, of how he always fit himself into my world. Oh, I love um, that. Even if it wasn't for his enjoyment mm-hmm. <laughs> necessarily. Uh, number two, keep your head up. He would walk me to school and back every single day. Uh, That was one of the benefits of having a dad who had a flexible schedule as a pastor. But uh, one day I remember there was a car that just zoomed past us and he pulled me back. He just, I remember his big arm just grabbing me and pulling me back. And it really just made me think about how he was always looking out for me. And it's really instilled in me to have the same kind of idea for other people around me. 
Number three, sometimes you got to jump the fence. Ooh, uh, that's, one time, that, that's one we're going to need you to explain. That's yes, awesome. So one time I was actually, there was a uh, Junior Blooms Day. It was a miniature um, marathon kind of thing for kids in Spokane, and I got lost. And there were mm. thousands of people around. I'll never forget, I saw him coming around to where the lost and found was, and he didn't even go to the gate. He just jumped the fence and ran at me. Oh. So just going after your relationship with your daughters, that made me feel so incredibly loved. Uh, number four, daddy-daughter dates are more important than golf. <laughs> and I will know the fact that this has stuck with me all these years, this memory of him choosing a date with me over a golf trip with his friends has spoke volumes mm. to me 25 years later. Mm-hmm. Incredible. So they notice those things. Daughters notice those things. Number five, never give up. Um, even he, he would always come up and help us with classroom projects. I remember one time I actually got kind of embarrassed because he just would not stop working on this one science project with us. But it really gave me an an example of tenacity and really going after things and never giving up. Uh, Number six, family is more important than church, uh, but not more important than Jesus. Uh, But this is kind of maybe for those pastors out there who have daughters. Um, He would always include me in everything in church, and he would drop everything for our family. Mm. And we always came first. And I will never, ever... Um, regret having that kind of an example from someone in ministry, because that can get very messy sometimes. And I love that you just addressed pastors, because we know some of them are listening. Yes. And I don't know that that's always the model. It's not. And unfortunately, it's not intentional that they, you know, the church comes first. But I think if you're not intentional about making sure that family comes first, um, it can get really, those lines can get blurred easily. And you said my dad brought me with him. Yes. So it wasn't, oh, I've got to come up with a ton of ideas separate all the time. Right. Bring her with you. Oh, I love, yes. I love number six. Family is more important than church, but not more important than Jesus. That's yes. awesome. Uh, number seven, love your community deeply. He was always very engaged with this tiny little college town that was our town. He was playing basketball with college students. Um, the when this really became evident to me was actually at his memorial service. I saw mm-hmm. so many people from our community there. Mm-hmm. And I know my dad was never quiet about his faith. So I know that he was out there telling them about Jesus, but it didn't turn them off because he was so invested in his community. And that was just an incredible example for me that I've tried to live out in my mm-hmm. own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, it's okay to leave a legacy of faith even when others don't understand that. I'll explain that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of angry, actually, for a while after he passed away because he didn't leave me a note or a video or anything that I really felt like he actually prepared us for his death. Um, And yet he was so, he believed so strongly that God was going to heal him. Mm -hmm. And it kind of made me mad because I thought it was naive and, you know, he didn't heal him on this side of heaven. Um, but the fact that he was so faithful, so dedicated to his faith in God, I know now as an adult that has ins- been instilled in my heart and has played a huge role in my own personal faith. Awesome. Uh, number nine, read, read, and read some more. Um, I think especially in this day and age, it can get a little bit hard to to make books a priority over maybe social media or something. But this is just a funny one that I just remember. My parents' library, it was amazing. And I, I'm an avid reader today, so I know that that carried over to me. Number 10, every moment can be a teaching moment. Um, I I do sound kind of (laughs) sappy right now saying that, Um, but he would really teach me in every moment that we had. I remember this random time when I was with him in a church speaking engagement, and he just taught me on a road trip about how the clouds in the distance were and the rain that I saw coming down, what that was and what that all meant. And I don't know why that stuck in my brain other than the fact that he just took the time to explain mm-hmm. the world around me to me. In and the it moment. Was in the moment. He I was always that. looking for those opportunities. Love. 
Number 11, sometimes you just have to stop and hug it out. Um, physical touch is so huge for girls to be modeled by their mm-hmm. fathers. And Amen, girl. I just remember this vivid memory of us just sitting in a hug for so long. And obviously, it spoke volumes to me that it stuck in my mind all these years later. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he had other things to do, <laughs> but he did not push me away. Uh, number 12, be proud of your scars. After his first surgery, he had a giant scar that went down, and I remember it went around his belly button, and we were in our community pool one summer, that summer, and he was laughing about it, and he didn't act, you know, scared about it, and so therefore I wasn't scared from it, and I think that can really, you know, that can be for emotional scars or physical scars, just modeling confidence in God's Mm -hmm. ability to heal um, and how it can just be storytelling for what you've been through. Uh, number 13, uh, John Denver songs are just as necessary as worship ones sometimes. Uh, this is actually when he would take me up to church before services, and he would tune his guitar, and I would sit in the front pew and color in my coloring books, and he would just sit down and sing me the song Grandma's Featherbed, and I just <laughs> loved it just because it modeled just such real life to me and such joy as well. Hmm. Uh, number 14, this is my only kind of negative one. It, I, it's just kind of in, in jest, but be careful what you joke about. Um, much of what I learned from him was not, what not to do. He definitely was a huge goofball. Um, I remember this one time, though, he made me believe that I had the ability to change my name after five years old, that they gave me my name for the first five years, and then I got to change it. And he took it so far that I waited. He waited until I was actually excited about the idea. And then he told me he was just joking. I remember being so mad at him. But at the same time, I'm obviously laughing about it because he was such a jokester. And I do want to take a second and have a side note right here, actually. And that is that I recognize that I was only eight years old when he passed. So I still had this idealistic image of my dad in mind. And this story, this memory actually makes me think that I know I would have gone through teen years. I would have been mad at him for things much more serious than him joking about a name change, right? Uh, Um, And so I just want to encourage dads out there who maybe have teenage daughters who aren't, you maybe they don't like you right now or whatever is going on, um, that all of these investments are still going to carry forward Mm -hmm. into their life. They're going to look back as well and say, you know what? I see what he was doing there. You know, Even if I they see. get a little lost in the teen years. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Excellent. So number 15, moving on, uh, give your child an identity. I remember we'd go on road trips, and this was when maybe laws were a little bit more relaxed, but he would let me sit in the front seat, mm-hmm. and he called me co-pilot. And I didn't even know what that meant at that age, <laughs> and yet he called me that. And so it was a name that he had given me. And I carried that, and I felt so special and powerful. So just a reminder that whatever you say, you are giving your daughter an identity, and whether it's good or bad. And so just to be intentional about that. Even you know, even you saying he called you co-pilot, I think kind of some of those pet names, if you will, like, yeah. hey, sweetie pie, or those little endearing names from right. our dads really do stick with oh, us, yeah. don't they? Oh, yeah, and they shape us, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, number 16, it's okay to cry and be mad at God for our circumstances. Um, I actually never saw the side of my dad, but he I remember a story of a friend visiting him in the hospital, and he said that he had broken down. And it was actually very healing mm. for me to hear that my dad had those emotions, and he was mm-hmm. able to express them freely. Number 17, uh, for your daughter to know how much you prayed for her is a powerful thing. Another story that I heard later on in life of my mom from my mom telling me how much my dad had prayed for me. And I know that that has played a huge role in my life post my father. 
Um, number 18, take every chance you can to have fun. I remember whether it was sledding on the street in front of our house or ice skating at our local parks. He just had so much fun with whatever he was doing. And so I, and we, again, we didn't know we only had eight years with him. Right. And so he just, the fact that he had taken every moment like that just stuck with me for so long. And let's just add a side note. Yes. He was doing things that might not have been fun for him. Right. But exactly. he was joining into what would be fun for, for you. Me, for my brother and I. And it was yeah, just. Yeah, go dad. Exactly. I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, number 19, get all the candy. Um, <laughs> another way that he invested in my life. I remember my mom telling me the story of we were out trick-or-treating for hours and find, she had br- brought my baby brother home earlier and finally she had heard us come in and and had the thought man they've been out there a long time I'm glad they're finally home and it was just for a bathroom break and we went right (laughs) back out so again I'm sure he didn't care about getting all that candy but it was just to have that time with me Um, number 20 brag about your kids at least your love for them that's one of the best gifts I have that Mm -hmm. has lived on past his life or his friends telling me how much he would just dote over me and talk about me and love me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Never Number 21, never doubt your impact. Um, One of the things my dad lamented when he was sick was that he, quote unquote, was not going to be able to do his job. Um, But I just pray Mm -hmm. to God that God has shown him in heaven how Mm -hmm. much his investment over those eight years really has impacted my life. Mm -hmm. So never doubt your impact. Number 22, surround yourself and your daughter with what you love, too. Um, your dreams can become your daughter's dreams. He would just, he always talked about his passions and his love. And that has really carried on into my life. I have, my life has actually looked very similar to his. So what were the things that he that he was passionate about? He was, pa- well, he was passionate about God. He was, pa- yeah. he was my first example of a preacher. He, uh-huh. he was passionate about that, which now has lived on through my life. Um, even just he had a wall of maps and a room in our house, and he would just constantly talk about those, the way, the places to go, the things he wanted to see. And I have traveled, and I have I have a wall of maps myself really? now. Yes. So, wow. and of course, I don't think he knew that that was going to you know be the yes. impact of that. But he just shared his passions, with which me. is again we're underscoring today. I love that you came up with this title book of these are things that have carried. With yes, me. Yes. Dad had no idea right. that what he was giving to me and investing in me was right. going to stay with me long after he wasn't here to remind me of these exactly. things. Exactly. Beautiful. Uh, number 23, literally stop and smell the roses. Uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of big trips that we did as a family. But I remember there was a rose garden on campus um, in our little town. And he taught me to just love the things within our grasp. Uh we, I, I, some of my best memories are just walking around that rose garden with my family. Mm. Um, and number 24, model joy. He, again, he was just so joyful. I have this memory of him throwing these rings on a merry-go-round into this clown mouth. And it's actually kind of creepy. At now a that park I think. or where? Yeah, it was at a park. It was the same park with the airplane ride. Oh. Um, and he just loved it so much. And his joy was so contagious over just the little things. Meaning that- he laughed? He laughed. Was that the he contagious was part? Yes. He, uh-huh. was, he would try over and over to get these rings in the clown mouth and celebrate in a huge way uh-huh. when he got it and just laugh. And uh, his, he had a big, boisterous personality. Which makes me wonder if your dad found joy in having you and your brother laugh. I think he did. I, he must have. Yeah, he know? must have. Yes, yeah. So great ideas, Dad, to take to heart going, get your kids to laugh. Be yeah. silly. Be more... Be, Okay with maybe being the joke. Right. At times. <laughs> right. Don't take it too seriously because having them laugh sometimes at you, 
really at the end is with you. Yes. And they look, you look at Brooke saying, I remember the joy mm-hmm. in the laughter. Yes. I love it. Okay, drum roll. We're getting to number 25. All right. 25, always end the day with truth. Uh, whether it was reading us the Chronicles of Narnia or the Bible, or he'd just be praying with us, talking with us about our day, I always remember our nighttime ritual where he would end on a note of truth, dreaming, mm. and connection. Um, so I would just encourage all the fathers out there to never let the day end without at least reminding them that they are loved. Oh, I love that. Well, I mean, clearly you have packed a lot in. Yes. So here's the idea that comes to me, because some dads might go, oh my goodness, that was so many things. How am I going to remember this? In fact, I will make a document and put it on my website so that people can oh, get great. a copy of this. Is that okay with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. But how about, Brooke, if you go back to the beginning, and I'm going to have you list all 25 things just one after the other to review the amazing deposits that your dad made in your life so that dads that are saying, okay, this is a lot to take in. Maybe dads, as you're listening right now, one or two of them will stand out right. to you and you can put that into action. We're still going to have an action step from Brooke's heart to yours. But how about if you review that list from top to bottom without the explanations of the stories, which were amazing, yeah. <laughs> but just to help dads okay. kind of solidify it in their minds. All right. One, get into your daughter's world, even if it's not quite a fit. Number two, keep your head up. Number three, sometimes you got to jump the fence. Number four, daddy-daughter dates are more important than golf. Number five, never give up. Number six, family is more important than church, but not more important than Jesus. Number seven, love your community deeply. Number eight, it's okay to leave a legacy of faith, even when others do not understand that. Number nine, read, read, and read some more. Number 10, every moment can be a teaching moment. Number 11, sometimes you have to just stop and hug it out. Number 12, be proud of your scars. Number 13, John Denver songs are just as necessary as worship (laughs) ones sometimes. Number 14, be careful what you joke about. Number 15, give your child an identity. Number 16, it's okay to cry and be mad at God for our circumstances. Number 17, for your daughter to know how much you prayed for her is a powerful thing. Number 18, take every chance you can to have fun. Number 19, get all the candy. (laughs) Number 20, brag about your kids, at least your love for them. Number 21, never doubt your impact. Number 22, surround yourself and your daughter with what you love, too. Number 23, literally stop and smell the roses. Number 24, model joy. And number 25, always end the day with truth. Beautiful. Those are 25 things that Brooke's dad taught her that have carried with her 25 years without him. Well, Brooke, like I said, on your market set go. I love ending with a go step, an action step. So I would love to hear if you have one thing kind of synthesizing all that you said today that would let dads listening put their love for their daughters into action this week. Absolutely. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind really is just to, to include them in every part of your lives as appropriate as possible. Um, Again, my dad did not know he only had eight years and he just brought us into every moment of his life. So I guess an action point is that it doesn't have to be about a big thing, but not to overlook the little daily ways to include them, like taking them to the store with you when you're headed out. Or maybe if they're older, ask them how you can help take one thing off of their to-do list Mm. or see if they want to, if they want any company to run their own errands. 
I love, I've never heard someone suggest that. Is that a dad? Thank you. I'm going to borrow that. (laughs) Have a dad go up to his daughter and say, what can I take off of your to-do list? Mm -hmm. I mean, what if she said, make my bed? Right. You know, clean my bathroom. Can you imagine what Mm -hmm. that, do you think she would remember that 25 years later? Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So making that practical, bring her with you on your errands Mm -hmm. and... The little daily things are big things, explaining clouds to them and rain, right? right? Or whatever. Oh, Brooke, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. I have so loved that you could honor your dad's legacy here on your birthday weekend, right? By honoring him in these ways. So dads, if you're just joining in now, you've heard Brooke Perry share 25 things her dad taught her that have carried with her 25 years without him. Pretty amazing. So, Brooke, thank you for sharing your story and your heart. Thank you so much for having me. With us today. So, dads, you heard it from her. Between now and next Monday, I encourage you to look at her idea, take it to heart, to bring your daughters with you. Not just on take your daughter to work day or your son to work day, but bringing her into your world because it's not coincidence that Brooke is a pastor today. Her dad modeled that to her. So dads, remember that now if you want to listen to this program later or share it with your friends, you can go to iTunes where the Dad Whisperer podcast is now available, or you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where I have more resources for you because my desire is to help dads become heroes. And always you can write me at drmichelle at thedadwhisperer.com and let's keep the conversation going. So dads, Get out there and intentionally and consistently invest in your daughters as you pursue their hearts today. Go dads.